Well, it's good to see everybody today. Welcome to World Harvest Bible Church. We are a family. Everybody say family. family. Well, you're among family and friends today. We want to welcome you. I'm Marcus Whitman. You might notice that my accent's a little different. Has anybody heard of a different accent as I get up and speak? How many of you know I'm probably not from the UK? I'm a missionary from the United States. We're over here. My wife and I were serving uh, Pastor Allen and Claire in this church. We're associate pastors. And we're just so thankful to be here and be a part of this wonderful church. Thankful to have our pastors home. How many of you are thankful that Pastor Alan and Claire are back home? Yeah! They've been on holiday. One of the things I really love about the UK is you go on holiday. Yeah. And two weeks is a short holiday I found out. I'm here to tell you I like UK. I like those two week holidays. I'm looking forward to taking one in the near future. But it's great to be here and to be a part of this, this family, a part of this church. And today as I began to prepare for this, for this message and prepare for this service, the Lord dropped a scripture in my heart earlier this week. And it's in Psalm 100 and verse 5. You know, the Bible is how you get to know God. The Bible is God speaking to you and speaking to me and revealing himself to us. And so in Psalm 105, it says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We honor your word. We come to you and we thank you for it. And Father, we just thank you for divine impartation and divine revelation knowledge today in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things I think is very important is that you really need to get to know God for who He is. You know, there's a lot of information out there, and I would say a lot of misinformation about God, who He is, and what He wants for your life. You know, I think about getting to know someone. I I think about getting to know my wife, Paige. Now see... When I was in my 40s, my first wife went home to be with the Lord. And so I found myself tall, skinny, and bald. I didn't even have a goatee at that time. And here I was with a little girl who was five years old, and I'm a single dad. So I went to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, I I would really like to be married. I'd, I'd really like to have somebody to help me raise my daughter and to have a partner in life. And so one day... She walked into the church. Now, I had heard of her. She was a pastor at a church in another town, and I'd heard about Paige Sims. And we dated for about four months. We got married. I don't encourage any of you to do it quite that fast, but it worked good for us. And so we got married, and I thought I knew Paige. But I didn't realize that I didn't know Paige. Anybody ever been there? All the husbands said, I'm in. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm going, I'm, I'm getting ready for bed. I've got my pajamas on, and I've put my clothes where they always go at my house. And all the men said, on the floor. <laughs> They're on the floor. I thought I knew Paige. All of a sudden, a different Paige showed up. <laughs> what are you doing with those clothes? I said, They're on the floor. She said, Uh uh-uh. uh. They go to the laundry room on top of the washing machine. If anybody got a rule like that in your house. All of a sudden, I began to know her. And then she began to know me. She made a sandwich one day for me. And on that sandwich, she cut it sideways, not length. How many of you know you cut a sandwich this way? Not this way. 
We even found out that, that I put the toilet paper on the wrong way at the house. Anybody ever done that? And apparently I'm still doing it. See, the thing is, getting to know a person, spending time with them, being intimate with them, and once you spend time with them, you really get to know them. And the more time you spend, hopefully what happens, especially with husbands and wives, you find out so much more that you didn't know, and you fall deeper and deeper in love each day. And 13 years later, I don't think I have my doctorate in page yet, but I probably have a master's degree. I know what she likes in her coffee. I know that now she likes tea better than coffee because we're in the UK. Everybody say tea. But see, as I got to know her, I begin to experience her love to a greater degree. And so today, I want you to get to know God. Today, I want you to have a clear understanding of who He is and what He wants to do in your life. Because He is an amazing Father. And He has, from the very beginning of time, been in pursuit of you. Not you in pursuit of Him, but you in pursuit of Him. So in this scripture... We see the first thing I want you to know about God today, the first characteristic that I think is so important. For the Lord is good. God's a good God. He's not a bad God. God's a good God. He's not evil. And I love this verse over here in James 1.17. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Everybody say good gifts. Good gifts. They're from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God the Father never changes. His character never shifts. One day he's not good, and the next day he's bad. One day he's good, and the next day he's evil. I'm here to tell you, God is always the same. Everybody say, He is is. always the same. same. Now, I don't know about you, but I love that. That is so comforting to know that God never changes. And one thing, he is, he is a good God, and he gives good gifts. You know, one scripture says, it's the thief or the devil that steals, kills, and destroys, but it's God. It's Jesus who came to give life and give it to you in abundance. Good things. So that day, when Paige walks in... That day when Pastor Paige Sims from World of Life in Jackson, Mississippi walked into my church and I saw her and I walked up to her and she said, hello, Brother Marcus, how you doing? And she hugged me. Oh, that was great. She hugged me. She said, good to see you. She turned around and walked down the hallway and I said, Lord, let her be the one. Amen. See, God gives good gifts. God has a plan for your life, even in the midst of tragedy. God had triumph for me. Even in the midst of defeat, it appeared, he had victory for me. See, God has a plan for your life, and it's a good plan. I knew that he had good for me. He had good for my my daughter, and the good happened to be Paige. Hopefully, I'm her good also. Amen. So I love this verse here in Ephesians 2. I'm going to read the bottom part of you. It says, Take paths which he has prepared ahead of time, That we should walk in them, living the good life. Everybody say good life. Notice it didn't say bad life. Notice it didn't say hard life. Notice it didn't say disappointing life. Everybody say good life. life. See, God's a good God, but He gives good gifts to His children, and He gives good gifts to you. And part of that good gift to me was was a wife 
a covenant partner and a mom for my five-year-old who is now 19 years old now and has a great relationship with her mom. God gives good gifts, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Everybody say this. God is good. God is good all the time. And God is good to me. See, one of the first things we have to realize that if you realize God is a good God, you'll come to him. If you believe he has good gifts for, for you, you'll take a step towards him. But if you believe God's a bad God, or if you believe that God is, is going to do or judge, then all of a sudden you want to take a step away from God. God's a good God. I love the second characteristic about God. And over here in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is faithful. Everybody say he is faithful. Well, what does that mean? It means he's reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. By him, you are called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, people don't realize how faithful God is. That means he's trustworthy. He's reliable. He is dependable. You can count on him all the time. You know, I was over at a friend's house not too long ago before we left the States. And he said, hey, let's get in my truck. We're going to go grab a bike to eat. And he said, let's get an old reliable. Anybody ever had an old reliable? Well, I'm here to tell you, when we walked up to that truck, he looked anything but reliable. (laughs) There was more rust than there was paint. There were more dents than there was smooth body. And when you opened that door, it went... And I'm going, this is anything but a reliable. I mean, I'm thinking, am I going to have to get out and push? <laughs> but, he, but he cranked that thing up and it began to purr. Reliable, dependable. God is trustworthy. He always shows up on time. Always. Now, here's another scripture that I think is amazing. That really shows how reliable God is. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 in the message. The one who called you is completely dependable. Oh, I love that. Think about it. Is there anything in your life that is completely dependable? Is there anything that just doesn't go up and down? I mean, I thought I had a wonderful head of hair when I was in my 20s, but it wasn't dependable. It left. Everybody say, he's bald. Yes, I am. But you should have seen me in my 20s. I had beautiful flowing blonde hair. Yeah, dependable. He's, he's completely dependable. I love this. If he said it, he'll do it. Oh, did y'all catch that this morning? If he said it, He'll do it. Oh my goodness. There's a verse that says, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that you can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm here to tell you, he will do that. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That word forsake means to abandon you during a time of trouble. God's not just faithful when things are good. God's faithful when it looks like things aren't so good. God was faithful to me even when I was a single dad trying to figure out how to French braid hair. (laughs) I still don't have it. I still haven't figured it out. But God is good. God is faithful. I read a story not too long ago. 
And there was this father, he lived in a third world country, this is back in the 80s. And one day he was talking to his son as he took him to school. He said, son, you can always count on me. I'm your dad. I'm dependable. I'm faithful. I've got your back. And so later on that day, as the father was at his work, all of a sudden he began to hear these great big explosions. All of a sudden, the earth began to move, and he realized he'd gotten right in the middle of an earthquake. He ran out of the building where he was, and he began to just see destruction all around. He thought about his son and his school, and he ran to the school. When he got there, all of he saw was a pile of rubble where the school used to be. But remember, he said to his son, you can count on me. I've got your back. And that father ran to that pile of rubble, looked for the place where he thought that classroom was, and he began to pull rocks. Other people began to help him. They, they pulled rocks out all night long. By the morning time, he found himself in a great big hole. And he's taking these rocks and boulders and debris and pushing it up, and people are helping him and moving it. And then he finally picks one stone up hands it to a person, and he sees a little hand. And then he hears a voice. Poppy, is that you? The father grabbed his hand and said, yes, son, that's me. He pulled another stone. He could see his face. As he reached to grab his son, he said, no, Poppy, take the others first. I know you'll come back for me. And that father pulled out 13 children It's like God himself had made a cocoon around those kids in that classroom. Buried alive. But that father pulled out 13, and the 14th kid was his own. I'm here to tell you, you might be going through a test or trial right now. It might feel like an earthquake just happened in your life. You might have rubble that seems to be piled up on your life. But I'm here to tell you, God the Father's got his hand out. And all he needs for you is to reach up and say, Daddy... You've got me. Daddy, you're faithful. Daddy, I believe in you. Because as you do, then God is able to take your hand and lift you up and lift you out. And put you in that place that he has for you. God is good. God is faithful. But the greatest thing you need to know about God the Father today is that God is love. Over here in 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Everybody say that. God is love. Say it again. God is love. It doesn't mean that God acts like love, doesn't mean that God even walks in love, even though he does those things. It literally means that at the heart of his nature or character is love. It's his love. God is love. But the thing we have to realize, that there might be more than one type of love on this planet. You know, there's some guys from Liverpool. You may have heard of them. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. All you need is love. 
All you need is love. All you need is love. Love. Love is. There you go. Good job. You know, the Beatles had it right. They, they had it right. All you need is love. But I'm not so sure they knew what love was. See, they did have it right. All the world and all you need is, is love. God is a loving father. But see, you have to realize back when the Bible was written and they began to use words for love, the Greeks had three different words at that time for the word love. Now, us people who speak English, we really have just one word and it's love. I love my wife and I love hot dogs. I mean, she loves me and she loves our dog Blessing. Yes, I do. But I hope the love she has for me is different than the love she has for Blessing. And hopefully the love I have for hot dogs is different than the love I have for my wife. See, when you talk about God is love, you got to quantitate what is love. See, back in, in the old time, the Greeks had three words for love. The first one was love eros or romantic love. That's that love, that tingle. Even to this day, Paige walks in the room, I get tingles. All of a sudden, my knees go weak. She smiles at me. I can remember the first time that she told me she loved me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my heart fluttered. That's that romantic love. Then there's another kind of love called phileo or that friendship or that brotherly love. You've heard of the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That love where, where brothers come together, people come together, they're bound by a common goal, a common plan, and they join together. They stick together. They are together. And then that other kind of love is storge, which is family love. How many of you experienced that the first time you held a child in your hand? All of a sudden, that, yeah, Pastor Sheila's going, I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah, when we held our little girl in our hand that first time, all of a sudden there was something in there I didn't know was in there. There was a love that was there. But as amazing all these loves are, as amazing as Eros and Phileo and Sturge are, there, there are two things you need to know about those kinds of love. They're very... Different in some ways, but they're very similar in these two ways. Number one, these loves can fail. And number two, these loves are based on performance. Yes. How many times have you seen somebody, they couldn't keep their hands off each other. They couldn't keep their lips off of each other. You're saying, get a room, you know, they're out in public. And then weeks later, they walk up and they hate each other. They swore down in an altar to stay together. and Now they hate each other. I don't love you anymore. Somehow that love failed. Or how many times have you had a friend and y'all were brothers, you were sisters, you were together. Then all of a sudden you saw something on Facebook. They said about you. Can everybody say amen? (laughs) And all of a sudden instead of having your back, they stab you in the back. And then probably the toughest love is Sturge when that goes wrong. When brother turns against brother or sister against brother or parents against their children and things happen and they say and do things that are just unseemly. But I'm here to tell you, God's love is not like those three. God's love will never fail. God's love is not based on your performance. See, when Jesus came, Jesus brought a new kind of love. 
And matter of fact, they had to come up with a new word that they hardly ever used for love. And it was the word agape. Yeah. And so when it says, for God so loved the world, it says, for God so agape you. See, God's love is so different than the other three. Because God's love, number one, is selfless. It's not about him, it's about you. God is pursuing you. He's not doing it for his own motives. Secondly, I'm here to tell you, it's unconditional. It doesn't matter what you have done are doing and going to do. His love will remain. His love flows to you. And then the thing I like the most is that his love is unconditional. An unconditional love. A a non-performance based love. Where my performance doesn't determine my acceptance. It doesn't determine how God loves me. You know, really, if you look at world religions today, they fall into two categories. They're either legalism or fatalism. Legalism is you must earn God's love. Legalism is you must do these do's and don'ts, these right and wrongs to be accepted by God, to be loved by God. And if you don't, you won't. And then there's fatalism. God has determined those he will love and those he won't. Fatalism is God is already determined in his sovereign will and you have no choice. But I'm here to tell you, neither one of them are who God is. God's all about his relationship and his love for you. I love what it says here in the book of John, the 15th chapter. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. I think one of the greatest Examples of this love is over there in the book of John, the 8th chapter. And Jesus is teaching a bunch of people. And then all of a sudden, the legalistic Pharisees of the day, they grabbed a woman who was taken in adultery, and he, they dragged her to Jesus. And right in the middle of Jesus' sermon, they threw him down at Jesus' feet. Jesus looks at them and they said, this woman was taken in adultery. Our law says, Moses' law says that she must be stoned. And they're all picking up stones. And then they said to Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus, very calmly, like he always does, kind of doodled on the ground, taking his time. Then he stood up and looked at him and said, he who is without sin, you throw the first stone. Then he bit back down. And then when he rose up again, all of the accusers had left. They had dropped their stones and they had walked away. And Jesus asked this lady the question, says, Daughter, where did your accusers go? Has no man condemned you? And she said, No, Lord, none. And then he looked at her and said this, Neither do I condemn you. That word condemn there, I looked it up, means to reject. It means to judge, and it means to pass sentence upon. This was a love people just didn't understand. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go live free from sin. Then he turned to the crowd, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever receives me, whoever walks in me, you won't walk in in darkness. You'll walk in life. You'll walk in light. 
See, he said, I won't condemn you, but I'm going to give you a love. I'm going to give you a life that is so better. You'll be able to walk free of sin and walk free of those things that have held you back. That's the God kind of love. It's a love that is not about me trying to pursue him, but he's pursuing me. It's a love that let people pull out his beard and pluck it. It's a love that let him put crowns and thorns and dig it into his flesh and let it flow. It's a love that allowed him to be put up on the cross and them to pierce him in his side. And it was a love that looked down and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. See, God's love is like nothing else we've ever seen. But see what God's love should do as you receive that love, then it should empower you to walk in that love. See, the church is called to hire away. All you need is love. Absolutely. But what we need is not Eros, Phileo, and Sturgeon. What we need is agape. And what agape does, it empowers Eros, Phileo, and Sturgeon. See, agape love for my wife makes the arrows, the phileo, and the agape with her much, much stronger. Because no longer is it based on performance and no longer can it fail. But now it can't fail because I have God's love on the inside of me loving her. You know, you're going to see a picture up here and it's our family. And right there is our family at the airport as we flew away on June the 16th. Our three children showed up. You can see Joel. He's the gentleman on the right. Uh, right up above my shoulder. Then the girl in the middle with the blonde hair is our daughter, Kat. And then the one with the ball cap, that's our daughter, Hope. Then you can see our wonderful grandchildren. You got Ben and B. You got Reese, Max, and Lake. You got Paige sitting behind Lake. She's holding Lake just like that. You know, as we got ready to leave, and Paige went to hug Peppy, our daughter-in-law, Tears began to flow. Arms began to grab each other closely. And you know, sometimes in families you have little tiffs. Not everybody does what you want to do. Grandkids don't always tell the truth. Kids don't always do the homework. They don't always meet curfew at the right time. But this is a family that has sturge love where the foundation is agape love. In the the tears began to flow. And then with our youngest daughter, she's in university, but she is not married, does not have a family of her own. I still remember to this time, Paige is crying on the front row right here thinking about it. We grabbed our kid, Paige and I and her, in the middle, and we put our arms around her, and we began to pray for her. We began to let the love of God flow out. She probably hadn't cleaned her room that day. Her car probably had stuff in it. And mama likes a clean room and a clean car. But I'm here to tell you that love's not based on performance now. It's not based on do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. That is a love. That is a giving love. I'm here to tell you today, Lord told me to make sure you understood this. Please look at me just for a moment, everybody in this room. He's in pursuit of you. You don't have to earn his love. You just need to receive it. I'm here to tell you today, he wants to give you forgiveness. He's got a good life for you. He wants to be faithful to you. And he wants to give you that love. But you have to receive that. 
Even though we want great things for our children, everything we want great things for our grandchildren, but it's responsible to them to come and to be in our presence so we can do good, good things to them, be faithful to them, and loving to them. You've got to receive. One last story, and I'll, I'll close up the message. Years ago, I was pastoring, and there was a gentleman who started coming to our church. There was a lady who had gotten born again. She had accepted Jesus as her Lord. That old stony heart had been taken out. She had a new heart. There was a new life in her. And because there was a new life and light and love, like Jesus said, all of a sudden her husband saw a difference. He started coming to church. But the thing is, when he would come to church, and I would give the altar call like I'm about to give in just a few minutes, he never responded. I could see him just gripping the chair. I know he wanted to do something, but he just kept holding back. God's in pursuit of you today, but you must receive that pursuit. Just as I was in pursuit of Paige, she had to receive my offer. God's love is in this room. You can sense his love. You can sense his care. He is in pursuit of you. And so finally one day I asked the guy, I said, what's the deal, man? And I said, what's going on? What's, what's happening? He said, you don't understand, Pastor. Now everybody catch this. Don't miss this. Because you may be in here today with that same thought. You don't realize what I've done. You don't realize how mean I've been to my family and what I've said and done in work. You don't know my past. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not the son to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He didn't come to condemn. I said, look, you don't have to get cleaned up to take a bath. You don't have to forget and quit all this stuff. Matter of fact, you can't. But I'm here to tell you, you're the one he died for. And I simply said this, if you'd been the only person on the planet and you were the meanest man on the planet, he would have died just for you because you need a savior. You need his kind of love. And then I just walked away. The next Sunday I got up, preached a sermon similar to the one today, gave an invitation like I'm about to give in just a second. And all of a sudden, this big, strong, burly man, jet black beard, engineer for the railroad, a man's man. He let go of that chair in front of him. And walking down the aisle to come to shake my hand, tears rolled down his face because all of a sudden he got it. It wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. It wasn't about what he'd done. It's about what Jesus did. And I remember like it was just a, that man came walking up crying. May not have ever cried in his life. And stood in front of me with other people. He said, I want that kind of love. I want that kind of Jesus. I want him in my life. And right there we prayed a prayer, a simple prayer we're about to pray in a minute. And he accepted Christ as his Savior. He changed from the inside out, not the outside in. I'm here to tell you, you'll never be able to change enough to get acceptance. You've got to have a change of heart, which only God can do. He's in pursuit of you today.